Has Seiko become the brand with no clear identity? Seiko release a Speedmaster alternative and we talk about three watches that changed our opinion either on that watch or the brand. Welcome back to Casual Watch Talk. You're joined by Sam and Chris. How have you been, Chris? Good, good. And uh, how have you been? Because uh, I uh, I caught our commenter that was mentioning that I never ask you, uh, but I have, a, I have an excuse, which you'll back me up on, uh, which is... Sam is always business, right? You, I mean, it's, he's, he keeps me like this, Sam, this would be a wine, car stuff, home improvement podcast if you let me yet add it i think yeah and i did comment back to thanks for the person who commented in the um on youtube i forget who well that was asking me why uh chris never we do <laughs> we do chat before this we don't go straight in cold right. on the show we have there, right. there is i mean believe it or not there is some planning right. that goes into this show yeah so yeah. um yes. yeah no it, uh, yeah the truth is sam is a like straight down to business and has always been that way. So he, he keeps me honest on this podcast. Otherwise, we would go off on tangents and he's just not having it. So he is not even interested in telling us how he is. So I just don't like, or I like, how have you been, Sam? Yeah, good. Okay. So Seiko has got, you know, just right to business. That's good. So there's a lot of mockery <laughs> of uh, Hodinky and poking fun at Seiko that needs to be done. That's serious business on this we have, channel. Yeah, exactly. We don't have, we have time for pleasantries. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, okay. should we kick it off with a... Well, let's do a wristwatch check, shall we? We'll break the All right. ice. Why don't... I'll let you go first. This is my same wristwatch check, even after the month's challenge. This oh, is my, really? my Christopher Ward. Now, mm. I'll throw a picture up here because I broke my rule of not buying homages, fromages. And I mm. bought a fromage Rolex Oysterflex homage oh, bracelet. So it's oh. got kind of like the Rolexy type thing. And then it's got the Oysterflex, which has got this. It looks super soft. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I got it from Strap Code. It was $55. It's, I can't say it's worth it, to be honest. Yeah. I, I can't say it's worth it. It's a little bit. I think I imagine that the Rolex ones are, I think they're a lot better because I believe they've got metal in between. Somebody correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I believe they've got metal in. This is just straight rubber in the, the kind of ridge it's got on the back. It is a little bit scratchy. It's not too bad. I'll, I'll have to show a picture up here because it's, okay. it's hard to explain it, but there's like a channel down there. Oh, mm. You can't see it. There's like a channel. Yeah, down yeah, there. yeah. It's an okay rubber strap, but it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush out and buy one. Yeah. I would love to get the Royal Royce. Rolex Oyster Flex, but you can't buy them separately. So. And, yes. and plus, it would be a thousand dollars or something. <laughs> exactly right. When it, uh, yes, you want it to cost a little more than the watch at that point. Yeah, but I'm still <laughs> so. loving this Christopher Ward. Now it, it is running ten consistently. Okay. Fast. Okay. And I've got a time grapher, and but I'm just too nervous about regulating it myself. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, I think we had a little conversation about this, and we'll we'll. We can we can certainly talk about it more when we talk about our one watch challenge. But uh, my C sixty five settled down. I'll I'll have to send you some pictures of the time grapher. It was it was out of the box. It was like plus eight plus ten, and then I, I think it's like a good watchmaker tip to just kind of let it let it do its thing, and then settle out and figure out what it's going to be before you like run off. And I would even how long have you had that now? A couple probably two months. Yeah, I would still give it probably another another couple more couple more months before. It'd be good if there was a service, wouldn't there? You could send your watch off to it, and then somebody professionally oh, yeah. 
regulates it for you. Yeah. I- I'm sure whoever's business that is, is it would be a nightmare because... Right, right. Customer service. service. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you'd be chasing seconds and you just have to be... Right. Yeah, you you want it to be... And it, like you'd have to you'd have to uh, uh, sign a uh, I'm a accuracy snob watch guy waiver. It <laughs> was like, and I promise, you know, like uh, I will send you, send you this, and I promise not to be a jerk about it. But <laughs> but yeah, definitely that would be a, a service nightmare. Uh, so other than for our video folks, that I'm I'm now in the loft, which is you know nice, get a little little green screen set up, but. Uh, I'm uh, back on to the uh, Zen 104, uh, my White Isle Zen 104 on a, uh, I forget the name of this uh, rubber strap. Is FKM? Is that what it is? The type of rubber. Yeah, that like plasticized sort of. Um, yeah, love the strap. Love the, I mean, just it's, it's uh, as far as visibility goes, legibility and visibility like i I, it just it's interesting to me comparing it to the christopher ward how much easier it is to tell what time it is just glancing at this uh versus with the chronograph and the you know it looks cool with the sunburst blue and the you know different colors on the sub dials but uh, as far as legibility is concerned uh the german tool watch takes it i saw as in 104 in the wild and it's the second one that i've seen us once oh. i saw one a couple of years ago maybe three years on a plane but i saw one in the polynesian hotel in oh, disney nice. world the other day black one youngish guy dressed quite fashionable unlike myself we were walking past and i kind of clocked it I, it, it would have been weird to stop and just talk <laughs> sure. to because he was with exactly. his kids hey, yeah like yeah you don't want to like freak people out i was doing a bit of uh watch spotting over the weekend i was at the uh socal big euro show and we had a bunch of uh chrono group members show up and kind of be uh kind of was we're helping out at that show and then also sort of participating in a car show european car show and uh yeah i was doing a bunch of watch spotting saw you know a handful of a uh, handful of rolex uh handful i saw a, a tag uh Velen ross a uh what was what was the interesting one i saw just on a stranger's wrist i think maybe it was like a i think it was a white dial um uh, what is the uh, what's the Rolex GMT Explorer Two? Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of like it was just randomly like oh, oh Explorer Two, you know. But yeah, I I, I too uh, know better than to reach out and like freak people out on <laughs> on 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 watch spotting and like saying anything unless unless it's but unless it's like a particular. Uh, there was one person that had a, uh, a that khaki green Seiko Five with the with the green NATO. And I was like, and I and I did a little like, hey, cool Seiko Five, just did it quick. And he's like, oh, thanks, oh, oh. you know, quick. He's like, and then ran like, who's this freaky watch dude? and knew what watch I was wearing. It's <laughs> like, sorry, sorry, sorry. We're not trying to freak you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we move on quickly? Should we do another thrilling episode of Hit or Miss? All right, sounds good. This week, Chris, for your. I think I'm surprising you with this one, but this one. Oh boy! This week it is the Omega. It's the coaxial, but it's got a tachymeter, telemeter, mm. 
and mm. a pulsometer mm. all on the dial. Now, this isn't groundbreaking. Other watches have many of these gradients on there. And I think even a, I think even there was an Omega novelty that had it on us. What do you think of this? They're pricey mm. as well. They're, oh, yeah, yeah. They're in the sort of $8,000 range, I think. It's, it, does is, it belong on a Speedmaster, though? Yeah. That on the dial? Because it's a tool, it's... And I'm not sure about the ornate hands, to be honest, either. But right. what, what do you think? What what size is this? Is it like a 41? This is coming in at... Uh, let me just scroll to the bottom here. So this is coming in at 42 millimeters. 42 millimeters. There is no way you can see that, those numbers. Like, if you look at the center... Um, uh, what's what's the and oh boy yeah i mean what's the slide rule that was the circle i i can't i can't remember the engineer people out there yeah but it's like a it's like a, a circle dial meter right and uh so basically they took one of those that is already hard to read if it's like like normally those things are like like a pie pan those are like you know 12 inches whatever and so it looks like it, they took one of those and then put it on a 42 millimeter watch Mm. yeah i mean maybe with 25 year old eyes but other than that i can't see the way they've done the coaxial <clears throat> movement with that back plate i don't think i've ever seen it done like that before oh, is that because it's is that because it's hand wound oh that's a good point yes yeah, yeah so there's more there to see yeah so interesting that they would go to a so this is coaxial hand wound interesting it's just not very pretty, is it? Considering the yeah. you know the, the three one two movement and I, the movement that was I, in mine. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I know there was a time when this, and I and I don't know what century. I want to say like maybe the forties, where this style of dial was popular. Yes, but um, I, yeah, I I I don't uh, I don't I don't see it. For our audio listeners, it's a Speedmaster, 42mm Speedmaster, and it's got a telemeter pulsometer in the center of the dial between the two. It's a bicompax chronograph, and then it's got the tachymeter on the outside. So it's like a Speedmaster with a bicompax, but with yeah. concentric circles in the middle. And the smallest concentric circle is probably 10 millimeters. And so the type that surrounds that concentric circle is is maybe a half a millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we think, Chris? Are you going to... And there's no obviously no loom on it either, but what what are you thinking on this one, Chris? Hit or miss? Mm, I'll, I'll give it a miss, but, you know. It's a miss for me. Somebody... It's one of those watches, again, that somebody is going to see that, especially the blue on white, and just fall in love with that. But yeah. for me, for, you know, $8,500 or whatever, $8,300 plus the, plus the tax... I think, yeah. it's, I think it's got to be a miss for me as well. Well, let's dive into our first story. Now, I'm not a regular reader of the Financial Times. In fact, I this was linked over from a Hodinkee article, and they did a very brief write-up on it, and they did reference the Financial Times article. Why I mention it, and I mention it in the headlines, was about they interviewed Seiko's new president, and one of the there's some it's a really interesting article. If you're a Seiko fan, 
check it out in the description down below. Chris and I talk about Seiko all the time and the direction that they're taking, but he mentioned that this everything for everybody, we talk about this as an advantage, don't we, Chris, that it is the mm. everyman's watch. Mm-hmm. But he's almost saying that because it's everything to everybody, it oh, has no identity. Right, okay. So this... Mm. Okay. This gentleman came from Grand Seiko. So he was mm-hmm. at Grand Seiko and he he saw Grand Seiko's improvement 30% retail sales internationally. He built them up to what they are today. So this might be, Chris, why we're seeing, we'll talk about the Seiko Speedmaster shortly, but the Prestige and some of these mm-hmm. more recreations of either iconic watches or recreations of watches that they've like the alpinist that sort of look like the old one but they've really taken this sort of faux vintage similar to what breitling did where they've gone for a new vintage style watch but not necessarily based on a reference that they ever sold i found the article absolutely absolutely fascinating but what do you think about this where he's saying that seiko has become a brand of no clear identity yeah i don't i don't i don't I don't necessarily I don't necessarily see that. I mean, I feel like some of their stuff like uh, you know, uh I mean you just mentioned like the the alpinist and I mean all of their divers maybe maybe in some of their other sub brands um I I don't necessarily like maybe over in the presage branding nothing really resonates over there i mean i i sort of feel like there's a really nice uh you know green or red or blue dial dress watch with super polished hands is kind of what i think about when i think of presage maybe small seconds um but again like a you know shaped case dress watch kind of style so maybe over there uh, they're they're missing out of they're you know they're they're missing out tackling their iconic designs and sort of latching onto them. I don't disagree with you. I think he's saying that obviously they want to improve their image, and he he even alludes to the fact that even the people that worked there had kind of lost the spirit of the brand, so to speak. Mm. So he's obviously had a lot of success with Grand Seiko. We can. It's kind of making sense now while they're while they're increasing this price point. I I still have a. I've mentioned it on the podcast enough. I still wrestle with these watches that they have that are seven hundred fifty to a thousand dollars to fifteen hundred because I personally don't feel that the movements that they're putting in these watches justify that. I think that they mm-hmm. could really focus on we've talked about the thousand dollar spring drive if that ever becomes Mm -hmm. a thing but Mm -hmm. even putting in maybe silicon hair springs or improving the movements because in those mid-ranges they don't seem to put a lot of effort into improving those mechanical mechanical movements i think maybe from a design standpoint too i mean you know you you are mass here here you have a giant watch company who is mass producing Many, 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 many different types. I mean, how how many JDM, you know, Japanese market uh, pieces do do we not even get? Or, you know, for special edition stuff that they just that they don't even bring out of the country, this kind of stuff on top of all the stuff that they often offer for a world market on top of all the stuff that they um, move over to Europe, move over the United States, these things like that. And I just like I can think of this like, 
even back in the 70s, just this catalog of like just, you know, these the old Seiko watch catalogs that you could find were just like watch after watch after watch. And just this one with gold hands and this one with a blue dial and this one with a green dial. And, and that that is Seiko. I mean, that is that's there. There it's a massive manufacturing uh, machine that is that is pumping them out so I, I can see the i can see the especially coming from grand seiko i can see them tightening up what they offer and really focusing on the quality of what they offer um, in order to raise the prices i, I can see that um, but it doesn't necessarily like like you might they might take themselves out of a uh, out of many markets you know they um think of like the timex market you know like how many people are like i just got off a plane i lost my watch or i left my watch at home i walk into a target and i buy a timex waterproof watch and i'm done you know and it doesn't have to be this like prestigious brand from a bunch of you know watch nerds uh, but at the same time, it, you are you're filling that niche of like I just went and I you know I just picked up a good mechanical watch or I picked up my first mechanical watch or my first mechanical watch diver or I wanted to give a gift as a you know a nice uh, dive watch to someone these sorts of things. So I, I would be worried that they move themselves out of that market because there's plenty of people there's plenty of players that are ready to move into the like into that one to three hundred dollar you know your first watch you raise an interesting point there but they they only have to look at it it was also what was interesting in this article was that in terms of dollar for dollar actually omega outsells seiko watches so they're being they're being taught that the market is telling them that mm-hmm. higher priced watches make more business sense. So it says, yeah, so okay. it says last year watches made up 52% of, let me just, I'll share this so that so you can see it on the screen. Last year watches made up 52% of the group's net sales of two, 202.6 billion yen, equivalent of 960 million US. Its other activities include electronics, software retail, and sports timing. By comparison, Omega, a competitor that is part of the Swatch Group, turned over 1.9 billion US in 2020, according to Morgan Stanley. Seiko are being taught that if they get this high-end right, it could prove to be more profitable for them, I'm guessing. I mean, this uh, this is what the Financial Times yeah. article seems to link yeah. the two together. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point as far as the... Do you want to be the company that sells $100,000, $3,000 watches? Or do you want to be the company that sells $1,300,000 watches? And so it's, it can be, it can be dangerous. I mean, it it could be dangerous because just because Omega can do it. And I was actually just going to bring up Hamilton because I think Hamilton is a player in the space that does a really good job of this Mm. khaki mechanical first, you know, your first field watch 
fantastic uh, well, entry yeah. level. Four hundred dollar watch with an ETA movement. I mean, we right. people have people are sick of us singing the praises of Christopher War, but we love Christopher War because it's right, right. Salita powered movements. Hamilton seems to be functioning in that. We're we're like okay, if you want to you, and then once you're in the brand, okay, you know you you want to step up. There's a very nice. $1,600 chronographs over at Hamilton's website right now. No problem. Um, but, you know, they they want, to, I mean, Seiko, I'm sure, wants to be, especially from a financial standpoint, Seiko wants to be Seiko. Keep making the same amount of money, but just have to produce less, get, get cost control down, get overhead, you know, get overhead down and price watch up, get QC up. These sorts of things. Is it, uh, you know, is it is it necessarily good for the consumer? Uh, I don't know. Seiko dials are amazing. The designs, we're going to talk about two Seiko watches that we really mm-hmm. were blown away with recently. But I think equivalent, take your $1,000 Seiko, the mm-hmm. movement in there, the 6R35 or whatever it is, they're, they're no comparison to the Swiss. As much as they would like to be, they're, right. just, they're just not in terms of the way that they're... Any watch that you're paying... for $1,000 for where they're like, oh, this might gain 20 seconds a day or lose 30 seconds a day. And, you know, that's tough. I I don't think is a, I don't really think is a, is an acceptable path forward. So I would like to see them improve their movements because I won't buy, and I'll, you know, you can hold me to this. I won't buy another Seiko mechanical watch unless it's uh, vintage, or unless it's a spring drive movement. I will definitely mm. buy it, because I'll talk about a quartz one that I can't wait for it to be released soon. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. think that spring drive is the next thing for me mentally after owning a number of Seiko watches. Right. Um, and right. the vintage ones apparently were, were the movements were rock solid in those. I mean, that's a testament to how many are still available and that they they were easy to regulate. But mm. since they've gone to this mass producing of the the movements, which is weird because I've always found the NH35A, which was made by the TMI, to be a lot more reliable and it keeps better timing than mm-hmm. the Seikos that I've owned. But anyway, I mean, this is just one one person's point of view, mm-hmm. one man's point yeah. of view. But anyway, I thought it was fascinating. Um, as Seiko fans, I thought the article was absolutely fascinating. Now let's get to the story that was probably one of the hottest this week. And also, while we're at it, Apologies that there was no podcast last week. I was traveling for work, so I just Chris and I just couldn't couldn't make mm. it make it work. So apologies, there was no podcast last week. I should have said that at the start, but I'm saying it now. So apologies, everyone. <laughs> the main story that got a lot of conversation over on our Facebook group, certainly and across the horological world, was the new Seiko speed timers, and I have to say mm. they did blow me away a little bit, especially the quartz and i'm going to talk about that in a bit but essentially if if you've not seen this seiko released a they're calling it the seiko speedmaster because it does passing resemblance to a very early speedmaster but a mechanical Mm. automatic by compact chronograph i see i see a little daytona but but it's all it's all okay because this is based on the original speed timer brand so these look fabulous. They they have done a spectacular job of them. If the photos give them any, even if they're half as good as the photos, they've got these pointed hands. They have, there's a, 
a white and a black version as well. So white and a black oh, dial version. The, yeah, I didn't see the white dial version. Yeah, looks, yeah, the the dials on Seiko's. It's the, the dials are going to be absolutely fantastic, but it's got oh, this new course. movement in, which is All the right. 8R46. And okay. this is a chronograph movement that they're putting in there. It doesn't give a ton of specs about the movement itself. They're going to be released in November. I think they're going to be around $3,500 mark here. Okay. Let's just see if they actually have put the put the price on the website. Yeah, I know, I know earlier. So $3,000 they're going to be for a mechanical Seiko mm. chronograph. It looks like there's been an improvement on the bracelet, the Mm-hmm. Race looks solid. It's got a clear that's, uh, case. That's back. a uh, that's a that's a bold price point. That's a bro- that's a that's a bold spicy price point. So let's see if well, they can back it up. It really is, isn't it? Because what can you and your Christopher Ward that has a the Salita chronograph movement in that was yeah. significantly less than that, and you right. can get a Valju seventy seven fifty powered watch for. In the fifteen hundred dollar yeah. mark, would you say? I mean, any of Zinn's chronographs, you're looking at a twenty eight hundred dollar investment in something like that. Um, as just off the top of my head, uh, Hamilton again, uh, as we mentioned, I think twenty twenty five hundred to twenty to three thousand. Uh, so that's a that's a spicy price point. Uh, probably for Seiko, this is a this is an MSRP price. Um, you know, we get we kind of get crossed up on this because we have some brands that you know you you pay what what they say you know and then we have other brands that are like of course you're not going to pay retail for this um so yeah i would i would assume that these had settled down a little bit i am really excited oh the white tile looks good yeah uh super legible uh i'm really excited about the new movement it's yes. you know you you and I just as you just mentioned we've been clamoring for for this for Seiko to do this so I you know I I, I can't wait to to dig in see the specs see what see what people are uh, people's experience with them and um and and how they go yeah so there is a limited edition one here this one says a thousand so I don't know if the white dial is limited edition limited okay. to a thousand and whether yeah. the black dial version is just the standard. Mm-hmm. The, the black dial seems to be the standard one, and okay. the white dial seems to be the the limited edition. So let's just see, whilst we're on here, what, what the white dial is going for. So the the black dial was three thousand dollars. Three thousand two hundred is the, oh, okay. the white dial. That's 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 reasonable. That's a reasonable up price for a quote unquote limited edition. Is it is it world limited? Is it region limited? I don't know. It really comes a lot, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's not really a lot. And and it and also for me, I think um, I don't I don't a white dial chronograph is a very like it's a specific special thing. So I doubt that they would sell the same number of those as the black dial. Anyway, the one that blew me away, and it was like, take my money now. (laughs) was the quartz version that they've done they've done a solar quartz version Mm. of it's not the they're not they don't look the same they're being called the speed timer but the quart the quartz for the audio listeners the quartz isn't a quartz version of the mechanical it's a different watch if Mm -hmm. anything it looks slightly like a vintage hoyer i would say yeah a little bit it looks there's just something 
Seiko make a lot of generic quartz chronographs and mm-hmm. you know you know what they look like this mm-hmm. for some reason they've just this just looks there's just something about it that blew me away in fact the blue dial version which i'm showing a picture up here mm-hmm. looks fantastic it's solar okay. it's got it's got the annoying 24 hour indicator on it i don't know why yeah. they've done that it, so it's yeah. a mecha we, quartz probably and we were a little a little side discussion to see if you could set it independently so that we're still we are we are we have people looking that up right now, so we're yeah. hard at our research department is uh, is trying to figure that out. But yeah, Panda Dial just looks fantastic. I, I'd be curious to see the bezel in person because sometimes on Seiko's photographs, this one doesn't look too bad, uh, but sometimes on Seiko's photographs, the, the bezel ends up, because the be- bevel, and you can kind of see it here in this picture, because of the way the bevel is, it ends up like, two-dimensionally looking completely different than it looks in person yes um i've seen ones where like it it basically looks like the bezels kind of popped on top of the watch and it looks a little weird uh so definitely looking forward to seeing it in person yeah absolutely and one of the things that's just occurred to me that i didn't i've been obsessing about this watch and maybe i should have done it as a watch obsession but is that i couldn't see whether that bezel is ceramic I don't think it, it says it looks ceramic. It looks for sure. ceramic. Yeah, and but that again, would be a shame if it was painted. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if it's ceramic, that's again, that's a that's a that's a super win for that. How much is the solar auto, uh, solar going for? What is our what's our price point there? Six hundred and seventy five dollars. Wow, so it is on the high end for a quartz okay. watch. But for, for if that's a ceramic, yeah, for a Seiko. But if ceramic bezel, yeah, that's yeah. That would be amazing. It, do you know what? I mean, we, we, we sh- we're probably going off a bit of tangent here, but I don't think it says it's a ceramic bezel because, and if it isn't, that changes my view of it a little bit because if that's a painted bezel, that might scratch or chip mm. off quite easily. Um, polished bracelet and... Cur- yeah, you'd think actually that they would be making a real song and dance about it if it was ceramic, mm. wouldn't you? Well, I mean, it's Seiko though, so they I don't I feel like sometimes they don't they have some of their watches come with sapphire crystals and they're not beating the band on that one. They're just they you know, it's it feels like a you know, right under lug width. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's 20, 22 millimeters. Oh, yeah, and a sapphire crystal. And you're like, right, but that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, um, it's a 39-millimeter case so. as well. So it's a nice, nice contemporary size. But, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, really interested to know what everybody thinks on, on that. There's several different versions. You've got the, as Chris mentioned, the panda, the blue yep. one, which I just love with the red hands. Gold I actually like. Version. I actually like the gold better than the blue. Yeah, do you know what I'm that gold is? One out. of those you're gonna have to see it in person, type of yeah. ones, isn't it? Because yeah. it it looks a bit faded. But if that's like a really nice brush gold, I bet that's spectacular. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bracelet looks good. Exciting, exciting Seiko, exciting Seiko podcast. That's yeah, good. we're we're on a we're on a bit of a roller coaster. Although it, that Seiko, the story was positive on the Financial Times. It's just yeah. having a bit of a. a crisis Mm -hmm. well for our main topic here well first of all chris you were watching a federico talks watches video and you've got a bone to pick with federico who is a friend of the a little bit i mean it was funny yeah it's funny he did it he did his uh he did his um uh q a 
And the first question, I was sitting down, and the first question on his Q&A, like, knocked me to the ground. And it was, uh, will Christopher Ward watches keep their value? Mm. And he just flat out was like, nope, they will not. They will lose value. Next, next question. <laughs> and I... I th- I think that needs I think that needs a little I think is a little bit more there. So I agree because you only have to look on eBay and they are some of that keep the most value I would say mm-hmm. in terms of even the very old one. I mean, it's eBay so you don't I mean unless you filter on that how things sold for, but I mm-hmm. don't think that that's accurate. Uh, versus something like a tag or a hublot or something along those lines where you are yeah it was a bit loaded i will say i just and i I think like what is the what is the percentage of loss that we're you know like lose value so like if you make a blanket statement like that you're like okay well will your rolex lose value no it won't will your patek lose value no it won't will your ap lose value no it won't Will your Christopher Ward lose value? Yes, it will. Okay, yes. This is true. This is a true statement. So, he is correct. This is a true statement. But a little misleading. So, your $2,800 Zinn chronograph that you wore for five years, you probably, probably, little bracelet scratched up, maybe, maybe a nick in the side of the lugs. You could probably get about Twenty three hundred, twenty four hundred dollars for that on eBay. I know because it's sold on, <laughs> and so, uh, and you can see the sort of the sell prices. I I took a look at the sale prices of Christopher Ward chronographs, and even at like a full sale deal at a full price, he also mentioned Federico mentioned that like Christopher Ward does these sales all the times, and I I do agree that it can cheapen the brand. Like if everything is on sale all the time, then it's then you know you feel slighted. Uh, very similar to like the Orient Bambino, right? Who didn't buy? Who hasn't? Who hasn't thought I could just pick up an Orient Bambino for one hundred and thirty nine dollars because they're on sale? Like you're just like yeah, it's a mechanical watch, in house movement. We should you know dress watch. We should totally pick one up. I I get it. Like that's a watch that's not going to maintain its value. I totally get it. But like I said, I don't think it's necessarily the whole story. I I think that. For the price point, you are getting an incredible value for the price. Um, it is going to like 75, 80% of all watches lose about 20 to 30% of its value because it's used. Whether that's a whether that's a Breitling, and you know, we've talked about like old Breitling, we'll we'll say old Breitling, five year old, five years ago Breitling, you know. They were they were dumping those things on gray market and you know you, for for easy twenty thirty percent off yeah thirty and 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 you would feel aggrieved I mean I, I I'm a fan of Breitling but you would you would feel aggrieved if you paid RRP in a in a a retail store for it. I mean having said that you, you would get it there and then and you get the warranty but Christopher Ward they do that regular hundred and twenty five dollar save in the UK it would be hundred yeah. quid I guess yeah uh, they do that regular deal and they're not they don't hide that if you sign up to the mailing list they're sending right. that through and they'll send you one in the post as well so it's always 
prudent to wait for that yeah. before you. And they'll I, do it on new watches. It's not like right. I, I I think it's, it's similar to the conversation we had about Seiko being like an MSRP. You know, like a three thousand dollar MSRP. Well, what what is the price that you're going to pay at Macy's? You know, when you go and pick that up, is it going to is it going to be that three thousand dollars, or is it going to be it's been sitting around? It's going to be twenty eight hundred. You know, this sort of thing. So it. I think that's changed so. a bit with Seiko because they've been doing this um, pre-release, haven't they? They've been saying this is available in November and then you'll see like, is it Topps Jewelry? And another, if you mm-hmm. search online, you'll see a lot of them that have pre-orders at the RRP. Uh-huh. Um, I, I found anyway, because if you search for that new watch, you'll see, oh, pre-order prices. Oh, jeez. Some, sometimes so, more. So, you know, you make a great point. So, so you have... There is a marketing basket of of sales and and coupons and and you know uh, pricing uh, of various styles and it how you market how that market is in the one hundred to three hundred dollar space is completely different than it is from the five hundred to thousand dollar space is completely different than, you know what I mean like you can live in those worlds so necessarily i i think just the way they do it may feel cheap to someone in a we sell this for four thousand dollars we never give a discount world of course that seems cheap but to someone who is like hey you know it's 125 dollars off and we're you know shoving coupons in your pocket you know it's kind of thing so yeah, just wanted to just wanted to mention that if if some other viewers, are, I love uh, Federico. It's it's always entertaining, and he he comes with a great perspective from the, uh, you know, dealer world, AD world, because he worked, you know, I, I think for Cartier and a couple others. Um, so his his uh, yeah, his uh, his perspective is is always enjoyable. We haven't done a main topic for a while, and this one was recommended by somebody on the Facebook group who asked a question. So shout out to Sunil, who asked this question, and it was, have you ever changed your opinion on a brand? Maybe somebody was talking about them online, hyping them up or hyping them down, and then when you actually saw the watch or you own the watch in person, it changed your mind positively or negatively. I think we could probably go on for an hour about this chris but i thought if we just did our had three picks each and maybe we did one after the other of of watches that we've owned that we either really liked based on the hype or went the opposite way do, do you want to she want to kick this one off then i had one the first one that popped into my mind was uh fair which is a which i believe is a british brand oh yeah fair fair fairer 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 f-a-r-e-r um they their gmt they have a colorful gmt that i fell in love with um sort of an aqua blue uh color etc i got a chance to see one in person and i was super surprised at how tiny it was oh really so this one yeah yeah so it looks great quartz one is oh no it's automatic it's an automatic yep yeah automatic gmt great color you know super unique colorway i love it uh, as far as like the design and super legible but uh yeah i actually got a chance to see one in person and i was like oh oh this watch is this watch is small and it's not it's not too bad i think it's like i think it's like 39 or 40 it's right around there but just for whatever reason the case is really flat and and i think 
and we can talk about this more, but the the thing that got me, yeah, 39. Uh, the thing that got me was, and I'm sure other listeners will have had this experience, which is watch companies are putting these giant 4K resolution photographs of their intricate center dial tachymeter, or what is it? What was the what was the omega? <laughs> The, no, the telemeter, telemeter dial, the pulsometer. Yeah. the pulsometer, telemeter dial, and they're you're looking at it on a you know a 27 inch 4K resolution computer monitor, and you're like swimming in the dial. You're like, this is amazing, and then you see it in person. You're like, whoa, that is tiny. <laughs> so, so that was that was probably one of the, the first ones for me that that was uh, I sort of had that experience of like. I, I I fell in love with the dial, looked at it online. Like I said, 4K photos made it look amazing. But then you see it in person, and you're like, "Oh, this is 39 millimeters. This is not this is not big." <laughs> I'm gonna be all over the spectrum here because I've managed to basically see a lot of watches. Lucky enough during this channel, and a big thanks to Bob's Watches and everyone like that who's let me film some of their watches. This was one that I did get to see at Bob's Watches, and it was the Patek World Timer. Mm. So this watch is, I think it's around $50,000. Bob's was Bob's Watches had one pre-owned in the mm-hmm. white gold for 42000 I did a review on the channel. Patek is one of those brands that is at the top of the tree in terms of quality. I was really excited to view this because it was it was going to be one of those watches that I was like this is this is going to be the height of my watch reviewing career getting to see this watch in person. <laughs> and when I got it, it was a little bit underwhelming and mm. I think it was because I built it up mentally. But the way that the world, so what you do is you, there's a, for the audio listeners, there's the crown for changing the time. And then there's Mm -hmm. a button that actually flips the, flips the time zones around as well. Okay. And that thing, it, it had like a noticeable click to it that didn't feel like a $42,000 watch to me. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, So it's not, I'm not really hating on this watch. For somebody that owns it, they'll absolutely love it. And it was, the the dial, the guilloche on the dial was incredible. But for me, it just didn't blow me away when I first saw it. And I compare that to when I first saw a, the um, Deep Sea with the James Cameron dial on it. I mean, I was blown away by that dial. That watch was incredible. But this one didn't have that same effect um, hmm. on me and so that was it and it was just basically the the mechanism kind of you you, you were expecting yeah. yeah you were expecting to close the door of the jaguar yeah and then and then you and, but you got the you got the you got the honda civic <laughs> from the 1970s <laughs> to be honest it it was well out of my price range. I, I, yeah. mean, I couldn't. I couldn't afford it. But it was just. It was just one of those that slightly underwhelmed me. And typically, I don't go for these dress watches anyway. There's no Patek other than perhaps the Nautilus, which uh, you know I haven't got to see in person. Another one that blew me away, actually, while we're on it, was the AP Royal Oak 
a mm. rose gold AP Royal Oak chronograph mm-hmm. that I reviewed on the channel that blew me away. So mm. it's, I'm not. It's not that no expensive watches. Yeah, interesting. Away. Interesting. It yeah, it was. It was just this I, particular one. And I and I, I actually thought you were going to mention the uh, the the. There's also a bit of a controversy about the the names of the countries around the dial, right? The, whenever you do a world timer one, there is right. because a certain political names have changed and and so on yeah and all yeah, these territories yeah. that are disputed right. all right um for my next one uh this this one was uh again going to uh giant computer monitors that not only are giant computer monitors that have high resolution but cannot reproduce colors necessarily correctly <laughs> to your eye and so for me uh that was seeing a Tudor Pelagos in person just blew me away. Let me just throw up a picture here for the um, YouTube and viewers. The, you know, obviously the blue one we're talking about. We're talking but, about the blue one. Yeah. You're right. It's incredible, that blue. The, the Just the flatness of it is incredible. Yeah, it was just one of those things where, like, I, I, you see pictures of it again, and like, it's if you if you do an image search for Pelagos, there's like 15 different color blues, and it's really one of those ones you have to go see. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is really, really sharp. It's it looks amazing. This picture you have up isn't uh, from Tudor's website. It's doing a pretty good job on my monitor right now, but uh, but 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 that looks almost green there in that shot. Look at that. Yeah. yeah, even 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 they can't quite color correct it to make it uh, to make it correct uh, in person. So definitely one of those you have to see it in person to appreciate its color. I promised I would be all over the spectrum here and I am going to be all over the spectrum because this one, this is a controversial pick from me. But one of the watches that I was most impressed with when I was reviewing it and I didn't think I was going to be was believe it or not, the Invicta pro diver. Um, and the reason mm-hmm. that I'm saying this is because yeah, it is a little bit of a cheeky, a little cheeky homage of the Submariner. But mm-hmm. when you see one in person, the case is, is it, it, it looks a lot different than if you compare it against a vintage Submariner. Also, it's got Invicta down the side, right? But in terms of, what blew me away was the build quality of it and the value for money. I picked mine up automatic with the NH35A for $80. Yeah, that's right. And even on here, I mean, this is in euros here, but this is $115. You would never find a Seiko with the equivalent NH35A movement in, which I think is at the 4R35 right, or right. something. You would right. never find a Seiko watch for eighty dollars that had yeah. that movement in it and that build quality. I don't know how Invicta have made this watch that at that price, because even some of the micro brands—I mean, they've got the economies of scale and stuff like that—but in terms yeah. of build quality, especially if you wanted to mod a watch, I mean, I put different hands on mine and it looked—I mm-hmm. you know, took, took the Mercedes hands off. Mm-hmm. But in terms of uh, bang for your buck, I mentioned this in the review. I-, I think that a lot of what Invicta does is a crime against horology. <laughs> right, but right, right. It, it, but the it's, yeah, but... Pro Diver itself. I, I had a yeah, I had a similar experience. I I picked up one for parts because I, I because again I think it was like I wanted to I was doing some experiment stuff, some Seiko modding stuff, and then again like the 
Seiko NH35 is $44 or $48 if you buy it directly. And so I was like, or I could spend $80 in a coupon and get an entire watch with my Seiko NH35. <laughs> and so I basically did that. And I, I, I will give you, I was pleasantly surprised at the, what I got for the money i was like oh wow like this is a like this is a pretty decent bracelet like this is pretty this is a pretty decent watch for the money so yeah i have to give it to you uh definitely the the pro driver pro diver and uh not necessarily the rest of invicta's lineup but uh I, I felt the same again yeah, for that. They've 80 got bucks. a lot more conservative ones and they've expanded that pro diver range. There is some quite interesting looking ones, um, to mm, be honest. But mm, mm. Chris, what's your final one then? So I like many folks in the watch community during your you know, you're doing your watch journey, uh, considered at one point a vintage Rolex. And I had gone out and, and taken a look. It's sort of just to see. And it really surprised me if you have not handled a vintage Rolex bracelet, how, how similar it is to the cheapest Seiko uh, Jubilee style bracelet that comes with an SKX with the, you know, with the pressed clasp and the non-solid end links and the, you know, just... It's stark, um, and it's a little bit of a surprise because you look down at the at the tag hanging off the side, and you're like, okay, you know, this was a couple years ago when when prices were what I would consider normal, um, and I think this was like a uh, uh, what's it the five digit sub, which is the previous, um, so five digits sub, you know, from, from the eighties, I think. And it was like, <laughs> I'm looking at this bracelet and I'm just like, what is this? So yeah, you have to be prepared for, you, you don't want to buy a vintage Rolex on a Jubilee bracelet cold, do you? Because, and even on some of the other bracelets where they would actually wear through and that's where the stretches and things like that, mm, you wouldn't expect mm-hmm. that to be. Now it's a quirk of Rolex. But right. you certainly wouldn't at that time if you bought one, and a lot yeah. of people did, especially on that Jubilee. There, yeah. There's, you know, there's, there's a you would definitely, you definitely, it's got press clasp and everything. Yeah. It wasn't, it was a, it was a tool watch. Right, it was yeah, a fancy it, right. Tool watch. Mass market, yeah, tool watch, and and it was uh, interesting because I think at the time. Uh, we were kind of going through. I think the 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 watch community was really harping on solid end links at the time. This is maybe like I said three four years ago, where it was like you know solid end links, of course, you know this kind of thing. <laughs> and you're like you get you know I'll just pick this uh, this five thousand seven hundred dollar vintage thing up. That oh my goodness, this bracelet looks completely. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's come a quirk of it now, hasn't it? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, for I sure. Agree with you. You've got it. You've got to handle it. Because even that two hundred thousand dollar Paul Newman that I reviewed had that oppressed clasp on it. Yeah, which yeah. Even the you know, like, I, I'd be murdering a new watch brand on a review if it had a right, watch exactly, clasp like right, that. exactly. So you're like, just put it in perspective. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, you know, obviously not. You know, they're great, but yeah, surprising though. Well, I'm going to finish this off with, this was probably the, one of the biggest disappointments of our watch collecting career, is the Seiko 
Paddy SBDC055. Now, I lusted after this watch for a long time because this was the first one. At the time, Chris, I don't know if you remember this, but at the mm. time it was it was the first one that they did. They released that 62 MAS, which looked right. amazing, or the reissue, I should say, but it was $5,000. And this was the first of that generation where they were going to make one that was about $1,000. Right. I waited for this one. I knew that the paddy dial was going to be spectacular, which it was. Mm-hmm. When it arrived, it was a... First of all, it was a lot larger than I was expecting it to be, but I still loved it. It had that vintage vibe. The bezel Mm -hmm. was great. But then after a couple of weeks, I'd got it from shopping in Japan. After a couple of weeks, if anybody's been following the channel, you know this story. The movement just started being all over the place. Mm -hmm. So was it magnetized? Was it not? I sent it to Seiko US because Mm -hmm. it has an international warranty on it, but it isn't an international warranty. It, right. it, it's regionalized, even though they say it's an international warranty. Yeah. So I had to get shopping in Japan. We're like, hey, send it back to us. We'll look at it. But then right. I had this epiphany of, is this a Seiko quality issue? And let's get to the bottom of it. So this was that watch that I very famously sent off to Spencer Klein, who actually disassembled the movement, which normally you wouldn't have done in one of these. They just swap them out. Right. And this is yeah. when we found out that the movements were over-lubricated mm-hmm. uh, and that's what was causing the issue. So it was just a whole disappointment. I went from being blown away by it to finding out that the movement was was been poorly lubricated and it was mm-hmm. causing the watch to behave really badly. And then it just kind of just soured the whole thing for me. In the, in the end, I, I as soon as Spencer had serviced it, I, actually, I think I ended up selling it to Spencer um, yeah for uh and i could have sent it back to shopping in japan and they would have swapped it out but yeah i just it soured my whole experience by then yeah for sure i mean yeah any anytime you're just like i've yeah anything you're like oh it's new it's in the box and it's on my wrist it's amazing and then you're like i have to send it back to japan <laughs> or i have to or i have to have them disassemble it i mean i had you know i have i've had uh warranty service uh done on a watch and it was just it was just the crown wasn't quite uh re-engaging when it when it would come in for the calendar and so it was the, the date was just there was just not i could get it to re-engage but just wasn't quite and i sent and sent it away for warranty service and like the whole time i was like what what's what is happening you know and you and you want that like you want that like white glove treatment on top of that um, but yeah, I feel, I feel like you definitely exposed a lot of the, like at the time, sort of the, the undercurrents of this is a mass manufactured watch, you know, like these are, these are mass produced and this is what happens. And you know, the sort of that, yeah, exactly. Like you, you kind of met your hero there. Well, this is the thing. And, and it, it cost me $800 at the time, which is what this Christopher Ward, uh, it cost yeah. me n- n- near and near, near enough. But anyway, guys. Let us know over on the Facebook if you've got any watches that you've changed your opinion on. Join us over on the Facebook. Just a word of warning. Just please just accept the um, accept the rules when you go in because otherwise it just, it'll just it just kick you back out. We've got or, to to. or Michael the Enforcer will, will shut you down. 
absolutely <laughs> and then we will be doing uh we just need to arrange it we'll be doing our live stream which will be the results of the 30 day one watch challenge so that'll be coming up soon so that's something All to right. look forward to nice as always guys we appreciate you watching and listening and we'll see you next time on casual watch talk thanks guys bye